Hey, welcome to Multiply Your Money. This is episode number 87. And what we're going to talk about right now is reducing your spending. We're going to particularly focus on reducing your spending. And we're going to talk about uh, trimming. So you've probably worked it out. You're monitoring what your income and your expenditure is. Uh, You've set some targets and you're focusing on those targets. And now you're going to start uh, applying yourself to those targets. And the key that we're looking at is reducing your spending okay now if you reduce your spending what happens is is that your savings go up reducing is the skill you need to acquire in order to reduce debts and you've got to learn to live on less than you earn it's that simple i can't make it any simpler than that so the first goal might be to learn to live on less than 90 percent of your take-home pay then less than 80 percent then less than 70 percent so currently, I live on less than 50% of my take-home pay. Okay, So just about every wealth book says that you save 10% of your take-home pay, after tax, of course. You use 20% of your pay to reduce your debts. And then you learn to live on the remaining 70% of your income. So if I make a dollar after tax, 10 cents gets saved, 20 cents goes t- towards reducing a debt, and I learn to live on the 70 cents that's left over. If I earn $100, $10 gets saved, $20 goes to reducing debt, and I learn to live on $70. You just keep multiplying those ratios, 10%, 20%, 70%. That was actually the method that um, Diana Matthew followed. Okay, But you apply that to your weekly salary, and you can see how effective this is as a money managing strategy so for example pick a number like i earn um, 1014 pounds a month we'll just do the 10 percent, 20 percent, 70 percent and that's a pretty much a broad brush about how you might start to um, manage your income there are several debt reduction strategies that work um, such as accelerated debt payments and debt eliminator programs that get you to list all of your debts and your repayments, and then you start to eliminate the smallest debts first. But these strategies just don't work unless you cut your spending. Okay, So they're great programs, but they're not going to work unless you firstly know what your income is, uh, you know what you're spending your income on, and unless you actually set some targets and start to reduce your spending. So you've got to use the information that you gathered in the monitoring stage along with your goals that you identified in the focusing stage to start um, cutting back and trimming in the reducing stage. So are you starting to get a sense of how uh, easy it is to spend more than you earn? I think you've already figured that out. Uh, when I wrote The Money Chimp, you know, the research kept pointing to most people spend 130% of their weekly income, and they do that by living beyond their means and they use credit cards and that's why most people I talk to and I'm talking about really smart professional people right have got massive credit card problems okay so reducing is a skill of cutting back your spending now you'll not manage your money effectively unless you learn how to cut your spending it's that simple now this doesn't mean that you've got to be excessively tight or frugal you know, I'm talking about reducing spending on things that are a complete waste of money. And the heads up is start with what you currently spend your discretionary income on, right? So, for example, you know, you might be wasting a lot of money on your mobile phone plan or on a Netflix plan or your, you know, your internet TV or cable TV plan, for example. 
you might be uh, living in a house where you leave all the lights on and all the appliances on and all the plugs on and and you know the the, the temperature of the of your apartment is you know 24 degrees where simply reducing it down to 18 degrees you'll probably halve your fuel bills for example okay so you've got to look at ways that you can become uh, more efficient with the money that you spend discretionary-wise, but also on your bills. And I gave an example just the other day where, you know, I got a late fee for a credit card and I rang them up and negotiated it and they waived it, okay? But it means looking at bank statements and saying, you know, shoot, I was, for two years, I was paying £35 a month for a gym membership I hadn't used in two years and I didn't even realise I was still paying it, okay? So it doesn't mean that you become excessively frugal. It means you become excessively smarter you start noticing what you're doing with your money so i'm talking about reducing your spending on things where you've identified this is not a smart use of my money it's a waste of waste of my money and you can gather that i'm at a railway station (laughs) don't you just love doing live recordings so in the last chapter, I gave you two examples of people that want to, went to extreme measures to get out of debt. And I talked to you... Um, hey, welcome to Multiply Your Money. And uh, this is episode number 102. And I'm fascinated by uh, human achievement, the psychology of achievement, if you like. Um, I'm fascinated by peak performance and um, how and why people get the results they get. And I'm also interested in why really, really smart people do dumb stuff. Um, You know, if, uh, if you were on a boat and you fell overboard... And someone threw you out a lifeline, right? So someone threw you out a, 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 a one of those floating rings that you grab hold of and keep your buoyant. And they said, just grab onto the ring. And you refuse to do it. Um, and you refuse to, to grab a lifeline. <laughs> um, the question is why? Why would you do that? Why would you not grab the lifeline? Why would you not do what was sensible? Right, and so when I was studying, uh, when I did my industrial organisational psych degree, I was really fascinated by um, uh, abnormal psychology because basically the argument is whatever whatever's working with working with people with with high dysfunction um, must work elegantly with people who have low dysfunctions, or you know there is no there is. There is no one with no dysfunctions. We're all we're all dysfunctional. Okay, I hate to tell you that, but we're <laughs> we're all dysfunctional, right? But um, but I was fascinated by that. That's why I studied abnormal psychology, right? I'll give you an example, right? I'm in I'm in um, in London the other day, and a lot of a lot of uh, companies have actually banned cigarette smoking inside the building, which I think is a good thing because uh, cigarette smoke has a habit of um, getting up into air conditioning vents and lingering around, you know, the pipes, etc., etc. I once went to a hotel in Washington. I stayed in Washington at a hotel, and when you turn on the air conditioning, 
I was in a no smoking room, but because it was air conditioning, all I could sell was smell was cigarette smoke from the smoking rooms, right? But anyway, I'm in London, and I'm standing out the walking past a really famous bank, and off to the side of the bank is an alleyway, and it's just packed with workers clearly on a morning morning break, okay. And they're all standing out there in the cold, chain-smoking cigarettes. And I'm close enough to see one guy who's opening up a packet and emblazoned on the front of that cigarette packet, in other words, smoking kills in big capital letters, and the image of somebody's um, uh, throat, uh, ulcers, mouth ulcers and cancers, you know, on the front and the back of the packet, right? And yet, here these people are, they're still cigarette smoking. Now, the problem with cigarette smoking is you say, oh, it's a willpower thing, you know, I've got to, I can't give up. Uh, It's a willpower thing. In actual fact, the problem with cigarette smoking is the actual nicotine, um, and nicotine has a half-life of easily 12 to 18 months. So that means that if you were a smoker and you stopped smoking on January the 1st, and I took a toxicology test or a blood test, right, and I'd see nicotine in your system, right, on January the 1st. If I then did the test on January the 1st, a year later, there would still be traces of nicotine in your blood blood system, in your bloodstream. Um, uh, Marijuana is even more insidious, right? But, But nicotine has this half-life. So basically what's happening is the nicotine's doing a lap of honour throughout your body. It's, it's going round through all the blood systems and that. It, you know, a good 12 months later, it's still doing a lap of honour through your body, which is why it's hard to get rid of because uh, uh, you'll be okay for a moment then suddenly there's uh, maybe a congestion of nicotine in your bloodstream that gives you a, a, the urge to smoke. You know, you, the craving to suddenly start smoking. So... Not only am I seeing all these people outside who are just, you know, totally ignoring, uh, you know, the research is in, smoking does kill you. <laughs> smoking is not good for you. We know that, right? Cigarette companies love that. Tobacco companies just love the fact you can't control yourself, right? And I started to see this also in other things, like people who, um, you know, I work with a lot of executives, a lot of corporate clients, and people who say, look, I, you know, my New Year's resolution is to go to the gym, on a regular basis, and then they quit. Um, or as recent as yesterday, uh, I have a CEO that I'm working with who just cannot stop quarrelling with staff. You know, he's he uh, he uh, he knows that he should let people get on with stuff, but he just can't resist the urge to interfere, which usually ends up in an argument. And he makes these resolutions. You know, I won't do that. I'll bite my tongue. You know, I'll I'll calm down, I'll leave the room, but he doesn't, right? And what I found is one of the easiest places to see this dynamic in two areas, basically, uh, two two really key areas for me. One of them I studied was weight management, you know, how we control our weight. Um, and um, And secondly, around how we how we control our, our, how we manage our weight, sorry, not control our weight, how we manage our weight, and with money, how we manage our money. 
And um, on the next episode, I'm going to talk more about self-control. I'm going to talk about the ability to control impulses and delay gratification. And uh, if you haven't heard about it, I'm going to talk a little bit about the marshmallow test and what that means to you personally. So I'll see you in the next episode.